Welcome to the Victor Collins Sabre podcast. We pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you and stir you up as you listen to this anointed, transformative, and down-to-earth teaching by Bishop Collins. Discover how God can change your life and ministry forever. Enjoy the message. I see that people don't want me to move to anywhere. I have to stay right here. So. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. All right, let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is tonight to be in your house and to be in your presence. Speak to us. Teach us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, please, in the presence of the Lord. Luke chapter 15. Final message on opportunities tonight. Entering into a new month. It's already February, the second month. Yeah, and so we have to change move on and hear something new and something fresh. So, it's our last night of opportunities, but I pray that your eyes will open to opportunities. Tell your neighbor, I pray your eye open to opportunities. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, our foundational scripture. The Bible says that a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. He divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there, the Bible says, wasted his substance with living that was right, right, uh, riotous, riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Be careful of the citizen you join yourself to. And there wasted his substance. Okay, where are we? And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Depending on who you, you connect with, you'll be feeding swine. <laughs> he didn't have much to offer him. Yeah. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He connected to somebody in the church and that was his downfall. Yeah, people come to the church and you see, people, people come here, they want to serve God. They want to follow God. The mistake is that they connect to a wrong person. Is that my tone? This is your last one. 
People come here. You know, it's, it's, it's very genuine. People come to church. People come to church to want to serve God. Sometimes it's the person who they connect with in the church that spoils everything. All right, so the citizen of that country, he sent him into his fields to feed swine. The, the, the person really had control over his life. Can you believe it? Yeah. You are connected to somebody and then all of a sudden, you are able to send a rich man's son to go and feed swine. Hey. The guy had a lot of influence over this uh, uh, younger son. And it also means that the guy, he had really fallen down, brother. He's falling down, 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 down that. I mean, like now, I'll do anything. <laughs> and the Bible says that. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that a swine did eat. And no man, no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, which means that all along he was not himself, ask your neighbor, are you yourself? <laughs> what did he say? Yeah, you'd be surprised that you're not yourself as you're sitting down. <laughs> I said, every man proclaim of his own goodness. A faithful man who can find. Somebody can say, oh, I, I don't think I'll be myself for a couple of weeks now. I says, that faithful man is very difficult to find. Everybody will say something nice about themselves. Are you there? And he came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I am here I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son and make me as one of thy highest servants. He had a poem. He wrote down his speech. Yeah, when I go this one, I will say you have to know what to say when you are going to apologize. Amen. Do you understand that? If you are going to ever apologize to somebody who is important to you, you have to know what you are going to say. I just want to apologize. I'm sorry. Apologize for what? Sorry about what? Somebody came into my office to apologize to me. And, um, me, I was sitting down there listening to the person. And I heard G say, apologize for what? And the person said, how did that happen? It's like, it is G's questions that made the guy or the person be able to say what he wanted to say. <laughs> he said it. He has it written down. He said that, when I go to my father, this is what I will say. One. I have sinned against heaven and against and against thee, isn't it? I'll arise and go to my father 
And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. That's verse what, verse 18. Mm. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Do you, do you understand what the guy is saying here? The guy, he wasn't bad at all. I mean, you may think that he was bad, but he wasn't bad at all. But some people have never done anything bad before to come back and to apologize, so they don't know how it is. Yeah? If you have never fallen into trouble before, you don't, you don't know how, how to get out of trouble. <laughs> what excites me here is that the little boy understood that doing something against his pastor is the same thing as doing it to God. That the little boy here understood that if I sin against my father, it is not just my father, God also is offended by my attitude. He knew the depth of his sin. It wasn't just to his father because God is the one who blessed him with his father. The father worked, lived, and had enough to even be able to pass it to him and his brother. It is the blessing of God. So if I have been such disrespectful and dishonorable to this man of God, I have done it to God as well. I don't think when we do things here, we think that it affects God. If you think that God is happy with you, it's rather the pastor who is not happy with you. Yeah. Are you there? That's a beautiful poem. I know that Rebecca can write such a poem. It's beautiful. Then the Bible says, I'm no more worried to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. It's, you have to rehearse it to apply for a hired servant status. And he arose and came to his father, just as he decided he would do. Some people decide and they don't do it. Yeah, man, I know, man. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. The poem, he decided to read a poem. Yeah, he put the paper aside. And all along, he was reading from the paper. He was walking back and forth in his house, in, his, in, in, in the pig style. And he was saying, when I see my father, this is what I'll say. He rehearsed until when he met his father, he didn't need the paper anymore. And the Bible says that um, he said, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the Bible says that what the father said, that is what happened. 
they began to be merry. I want to encourage you um, to believe and to understand that you are here and it is a great opportunity. I want to help you understand that what you are living, what you are experiencing is an opportunity that you are experiencing. This is not very common to be called to be a Christian, come to church. The people you work with, as you left work, they are going home. They've gone home. They are actually home already watching news and all the things that are on TV at this time that I don't know about. You, even if you went home to change your fancy clothes into your raggedy clothes to come to church tonight, you had an agenda. Some of you, when you go to work, you dress up. When you come to church in the evening, you dress down. So even if that is what you did, you, you, you came to church. It's an opportunity. The people you are working with, the person you sit next to at work, there is no place for him or her to go to on a Wednesday evening. They have to find a place. If anything at all, if they want to go out at all, they have to find a place. Some people say, oh, where do you want to go today? There's no place to go to. On Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday night, unless you don't want to, you know where to come. And when you come, there'll be music. There'll be singing. There'll be dancing. There'll be preaching. There'll be prayer. At least uh, something about God will be spoken about or will be said. And you will not go back the same as you came. This is an opportunity. You want to put your hands together for the Lord. Second Samuel. I said on Sunday that Opportunities are very, very different depending on which side of the aisle you belong to. Yeah. If you get an American visa right now, to somebody it's an opportunity, but to somebody it's not an opportunity. I know people with American visas, they have not used it yet. (laughs) Somebody told me, somebody told me that um, there, there, there's a gentleman who got a Canadian visa and then it expired. He got an American visa and it is almost expiring. He's yet to board a plane and visit these places. For such a person, a Canadian visa is not an opportunity. I am sure that 
The person who thinks that and who believes that a Canadian visa is an opportunity, when you get it, by hook or by crook, you gather all things together and you take your journey to a far country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is an opportunity for people in the world is not the same as opportunity uh, for those in the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes they even merge. Sometimes they are similar. They, are probably, they probably look, look the same. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. Don't you see what uh, King David said here? It's a verse that we are familiar with. The Bible says, Then David returned to bless his, his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious! was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And the Bible says that David says, and David said unto Michal, you don't know opportunity. You don't respect opportunity. You do not appreciate opportunity. Because it was, it was, it was. Is that what, no, what he said? It was before the Lord who chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord because it is an opportunity. The first thing he said was that God that you saw me playing before, he chose me. And then he appointed me. How many have not been chosen here? You have been chosen from your family. You joined this church. It's an opportunity. Now, if you don't understand that, you, you waste this opportunity. You'll be ungrateful. And wasting opportunities starts from the spirit of ingratitude. When you are not impressed, when it doesn't mean anything to you, when it's just normal, when it's just ordinary, when you think there's nothing special about it, that is one of the things that, that, that begins you're wasting of an opportunity that many people don't have. Look at King David. One day the Israelites said they want a king. And they complained and complained and complained. Now they are in Canaan. They, they left Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. All the troubles, all the you know, tribulations, the trials that caused even Moses to die. They finally entered into Canaan, the promised land. And they saw that the Canaanites and the people around them, everybody, they, they had kings. They had rulers over them. And then they, they were just walking around with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. So they said, this, this kind of life, we don't want it. We want a king we can see. We want money that we can spend. <laughs> so they complained and complained and complained and then Samuel, who was a prophet over them in those days, was very sad. 
And then, but the Bible says God heard them. And so God told somebody, you shouldn't worry. And that he will organize a king for them. And so God organized a king called Saul, the first king of Israel for the Israelites. Saul became king. And then two mornings later, he started doing his own thing. You see, Saul could not appreciate the first human being to lead God's people apart from God himself. Even so, he was looking for his father's donkeys. He was going about his own business. He entered into the seer's house and then he told him something. Then when he left the seer's presence, he saw some prophets and they were prophets and he also began to prophesy. Because the spirit of God came upon him in those days, in those days, in those days, like you probably know, the spirit of God does not come on you. You see, and, and that's, that's, that's some of the motivations we have in our days and in our time that the people who did great things, the things that they did, it did not prevent them from doing the greater things that they did. Many of the people in the Old Testament never had the Spirit of God upon their lives. Many of the people that we read about in the Old Testament never had the Spirit of God upon their lives. The Spirit of God in those days only comes on three categories of people. Either you are a king, either you are a priest, or you are a prophet. That's it. If you don't fall into this category, the Spirit of God will never come upon you. Look at us now. You get saved, you get baptized, you still smoke, but you get baptized by the Holy Ghost, you begin to blah, 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 blah. Holy Ghost has come upon you. Yet we don't appreciate it. We want more. We want something else. We don't look at the fact that we were nothing and God has brought us inside. David said, do you know who I was playing? Do you know in whose presence I was playing? Because when God decided to step back and give human beings, his people, a king, he chose Saul, the son of Kish. And we all saw, saw, we all saw him big, strong, mighty, muscles. He led us to war a couple of times. And then we see him around. And then from nowhere, a little boy like me, David, I was even taking care of my father's sheep in the back dam. When I saw my, one of my father's servants running towards where I was, there was no GPS in those days. When he came, he said that the prophet has come to your father's house and your father wants you now. He said, me? How? So, he organized some caretakers for his sheep, father's sheep. And he began to journey with his father's servant back to his father's house. The prophet Samuel that all of them were afraid of. He waited for David to come from the back down. David was asking himself, how can I be needed when my, my big brother Eliab 
is there. My second brother, my third brother, how, how, who, who, who am I? Who am I? Who am I really? That the prophet will come to my father's house. All my brothers are there. My mother is there. My father is there. And they are saying that I am also needed. And I must come now. Especially when you know in the house that people don't take you for granted. Shut up. You small boy. Keep quiet. You little boy. These people, young people of this day, when we don't, we have not even asked you something, you got something for say. Somebody ask you something. Why don't you shut your mouth? I'm sure David experienced all of that in the house. And so to be told that the prophet Samuel, the one who God spoke to, or God revealed himself to, after his mother weaned him, the very tender age, walked with God all his life, has traveled and has come to Jesse's house and everybody has gathered and he says that what he wants to do, he will not do it until you, the small boy of about 18 years old, comes from the Bagdam into the meeting. David couldn't believe it. He, he hurried with his father's servant into his father's house. He thought he was going into a meeting where something else was going to be discussed. No. From nowhere, from nowhere, the prophet took a vial of oil and he, poured, he called David. David thought that because he was the last person to come, maybe he was going to rebuke him or something. No. He called him to the front. He told him, kneel down. And he poured oil on him and said that, behold, God has chosen you as the next king of Israel. What? What do you mean? Me? How? But king, Saul is king. How can I be king when Saul is king? But David noticed a change in his life when the prophet poured oil on him. Because when he went into the camp to give his brothers food, when they were fighting against the Philistines, and he saw Goliath shouting and, and cursing and abusing and, and challenging the Israelites that they should select somebody to come and fight him. And everybody was hiding behind a rock, including Saul. When he saw it like that, he could not handle the blasphemy, the, the awkwardness of somebody who's a Philistine trying to intimidate and, and cause the people of God to be afraid. He couldn't handle it. The presence of God upon his life was so strong that he couldn't handle that. So he decided to challenge this guy. A little boy. After the oil was poured on him in his father's house, he looks around. When he wakes up in the morning, he looks around to see whether his brothers are watching him. He couldn't believe what was happening to him. And then, all the issues he went through is when he was anointed, he also got an invitation to come into the king's palace to play musical instruments. The king loved him. But he was jealous of him. So the spirit of the... <laughs> Alright, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, 
evil spirits will come upon the king to try and kill the new king. The hatred so hard for, for, for David, it was beyond this world. The only reason was that the Spirit of God had entered into that young man for a future that was greater than that of Saul. He witnessed all of that. Little boy, the king has invited you to his palace. You are playing instruments for the king to be happy. Then the king takes a javelin, a spear, and then all of a sudden throws it at you. Big man king. I mean, when the king throws a spear at you, don't you sit down there and let it just come and touch you? How do you move? Tomorrow he'll go back because even though he was trying to kill him the other day, he still has to go back and, and fulfill his responsibilities. Saul used many years to chase after David to try and quench what God wanted him to do. He saw all of it. When he got a chance to kill him, he cut, he cut a bit of his cloth and they went afar and showed him that I could have done something to you like that and all of that. And even after he said that his, his heart smote him, he lived walking on eggshells around the season and the time when Saul was still around. One day Saul, was di- Saul, Saul died and his son Jonathan. And who is the next king now practically? Is this David. The day when they put him on the throne, he looked around and said, is this me? Is this real? Is this happening? I can't believe it. started operating as the king. Then he got the opportunity to bring the ark of God back to Jerusalem. And as he was doing that, all the memories, you see, he was so grateful. He was, well, David was someone who was so grateful, always grateful from where God brought him from. The opportunity to be chosen, to be appointed to be king, it was always fresh in his mind. So when the ark of God was coming, he could not do anything but dance and rejoice and, and, and be normal. You come to the, when you come to the house of the Lord, are you normal? It's, you look at it. You don't behave normal when you come to the house of the Lord. Yeah. Somehow, you can't clap your hands. Somehow, you can't jump. Somehow, you can't shout. It's, it's because you have forgotten about the opportunity God has given you. It's because you have forgotten. Or maybe you are not grateful at all. You don't think it's an opportunity. Because when the act was coming, David said, me and the people, we are all one. It's one God we are seven. I will dance. I will rejoice. I will jubilate. I'm excited. Look at how you come to church. Very organized. That's why sometimes you shouldn't dress up. Because your dressing sometimes does not make you do anything. You, you, you see, that is why the Apostle Paul told the church in Corinth that if you're a woman and you come to church, cover your hair. Yeah. 
Because the way your hairstyle is, if I take oil right now, you say, is he going to pour oil on this my way? I just came from the hairdresser, you know. On the head that is not even yours. You may not have this opportunity to, to sing and shout and dance, you know. It's not always going to be like this. A time will come, you want to jump. You realize that you can't jump. If you like, we can form dancing stars of those above 50 years old. Yes. Then we'll play. You go do for me. You go do for you, right here. And you see what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know it. Yes. Even those who may act like they understand, when they go home, they sleep. They wake up early. In the morning, they say, oh, Jesus. Cramps. Yeah, body hurting. Pressure high. Sugar low. <laughs> Pressure high, sugar low. South normal. <laughs> Uh, you see that the opportunity to jump is for a season. David understood it. That if God is walking with us into Jerusalem, who is me to not dance? I was nobody. And he knew that the opportunity he has, it was given to Saul and it passed from Saul to him. And therefore, it could also pass from him to somebody whilst he is alive. He should repeat himself. And humanly speaking, it's not very nice when somebody is chosen above you in something that you think you know to do well and you know you are doing well. That's why my boss, I, it took me a long time to forgive my boss when he fired me. Catwinkle, Tim Catwinkle. Yeah, I'm still looking for him on Facebook. He's not there. He's a bald head German man. When I was, when I was fired, I, I saw the opportunity in it. To leave that country. Yes. And I was fired. I said, this is my opportunity. I'm out. Thank you, Lord. Even though in the beginning, it was very sour in my, in my, my mouth. But I came to understand that this is the only time, the only moment. It's like God has opened a door right now. You got to walk through it. It was an opportunity. And I took it. 
So here, so, uh, David was trying to teach his wife a lesson. You know, that Charlie, even the wife didn't understand that she, was also, she also had an opportunity because, you see, she was the king's, the, the former or previous king's uh, daughter. So the palace was a normal house to her. So there was nothing special about her and where she lives. But for David to move away from the back dam, those of you that are appointed pastors from the scheme, you should have been grateful and you should be grateful for the rest of your life. I didn't hear the Amy well. Uh-huh. You from the scheme, who will make you a pastor? Ask yourself, anything you have the opportunity to do now, ask yourself, where will they choose you to do that? Well, think about it. So, you see, when you don't think like this, it, it makes you very ungrateful and you waste opportunities. When you see opportunities, oh, well, there's, there's nothing until it is wasted. And then Christians of these days, when they waste opportunities, they feel so proud to go back and say, I'm sorry, I've sinned against heaven and against thee. Take me as one of the, the highest heavens. They, they ain't able to do that. They can't do it. Too proud. Can't say sorry. David was teaching his wife. So you, maybe you are born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Me? It's my fingers. Spoon? I didn't know what spoon was. Now I sit here, clothed in royal apparel, as a king of Israel, King David. How did I get here? It is somebody who opened a door for me to be here. It was an opportunity that brought me here. And I will never forget it and I will not waste it. That's why when one day he was walking, he was on his balcony looking around, he realized that his house was very big and he was very excited. He asked himself, how can I be in such a house and then God, and, and the, temp, the ark of God doesn't have a proper place to, 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 be, to be. He said, I want to build a house for the Lord. If you study the kings of Israel, BK, Bible knowledge, I don't know whether, Raphael, you, you did Bible knowledge when you were in secondary school, Mary. I don't know. In our days, I don't know, mommy, if you did, you did BK, you did BK in school. In our days, there was a subject called Bible knowledge. BK. Yeah. And then you do the, 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 the Old Testament. You do the kings. The kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. Because at the, at the point, Israel was separated. The Judah tribe was alone. And then the rest were together. It's from the Judah tribe that David came from, that Jesus also came from, the line of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. So, and in those days, your Bible, your BK, your BK teacher, you, you go through the kings. I'm sure you do. You, do you remember a king, the name of one of the kings of Israel or kings of Judah? The divided kingdom. It was one of the topics in the Bible knowledge, the divided kingdom. Because Judah had their kings and Israel had their kings. Yeah. Bible knowledge in the Old Testament. So you have kings and you have chronicles. 
which is the chronicles are histories of the kings again. <laughs> you see how the kings of Judah behaved, how the kings of Israel behaved. One king comes and he does very bad. He comes to do worse. One king comes, he comes to do what King David did. And the Bible said, and he did all the things. He, he, he pleased God because he did the things that his father King David did. You see the opportunities that were given to people to become kings and the things they did, good and bad. Some of them were young when they became king. 15 years. Is it uh, Uzziah? Uzziah? Ready, ready, ready for one. Well, Ready for you. Ready for you at what? 16. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned for about 52 years. Yeah. If you see, if you read the Old Testament, the kings, if you read the first chronicles, second chronicles, how people became kings and how they messed up. Hezekiah. I was reading Hezekiah today. And in 2 Chronicles 32, something like that. And then I'm just about to get to where he, became, he fell sick and God told him that he should prepare because he's going to die. And he prayed to God, why are you going to kill me now? Well, I extend my days. And the, the, Bible, the Bible said God extended his days. I'm just about to get there. I, I stopped short of it. Because if you look at the revival Hezekiah brought into Judah, you'd be surprised. The things he did. The way he steered things in the right direction. He brought back the Levites. He even brought back the tithes. And he encouraged the people that the Levites depend on the tithes. So bring the tithes so that the Levites can, can function. Because when I came, there's no church. There's no Levites. There's no tithe. There's no house of the Lord. Nothing is working. And he brought back everything just as it was in the days of King David. It was such a person who, when he was about to die, was able to tell God, please extend my days. And God heard him. Please don't use that part if you don't do what Hezekiah did before then. Why is the screen not following what I'm talking about? Are you there? The guy came, Hezekiah. Oh, he did some wonderful things, I tell you. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 20. For example. Let's go to verse 31, verse verse, verse 4. 31 and verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. He brought back church. He brought back ministry. He brought back full-time ministry. (laughs) That's why when he was going to die, he was able to negotiate with God that please, I am not dying. Add some days to my years. 
Don't take that part of the scripture and go and pray. Fast and praise the Lord. They don't let this sickness kill me. You die tomorrow. <laughs> what have you done that God should keep you alive? People don't pay attention to that. You want to live well. You want to live in health. You want to, but you don't think about what God, reasons that God has to keep you alive and strong. Why should God keep you alive and strong? Why shouldn't he allow cancer, cancer to take you away? Why shouldn't he allow arthritis to trouble your knee all the time? Because you don't use your leg for him anyway. So arthritis should take over your leg and your joints because he doesn't have use for you. You don't do anything for him. I'm trying to show you the Hezekiah. When I got to that point, I said, ah, I understand why God listened to this man's prayer. He was going to die. And let me tell you, it's just like how Lazarus died and Jesus brought Lazarus back. When death is coming to you, it's, not, it's unchangeable. Every one of us here, your day that you are going to die is known. Jalana, the day you are going to die is known. You are the one who don't know. And I'm the one who don't know. So when it happens, oh God, oh Jesus, really? Oh, gone too soon. Gone too soon. It was her time. It was his time. It was a time appointed and arranged and organized that death was allowed that day, that time, on that particular morning to come and take you away. It was okay. It was arranged. So for somebody not to die when the, it is appointed, for, for somebody not to die at the appointed time, God had to say, hey, step back. Get out. Don't, don't, don't knock on that door. Not today. God had to step into something that is appointed. Because there was a reason too. Just as God came down when Miriam and Aaron were trying to disrespect uh, uh, Moses. He came down. There was a reason for God to come down. There was a reason for him to come down and show his disapproval, displeasure at people who speak bad things against his servant. He brought back the priest. You, don't, you wouldn't know unless you read the account of the kings of Judah and Jerusalem that when he was doing this, the king before him didn't do that. They might be encouraging the law of the Lord. Verse 5, what does it say? And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the tithe. <laughs> You pay tithe. They brought in abundance. The guy brought a revival. First fruits of corn. First fruits of wine. First fruits of oil. And honey. Not a singer. Real honey. And of all the increase of the field. And the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. Now, you know, in our days, it's money and, and you really don't see it. But can you imagine if it was, we were in their days and then Brother Shawin and his dear wife, Mr. Tawana, they have a five-acre farm of corn and they harvested the corn and then they have a two, three cantal loads of first fruits to bring to the church. That's when you understand that. Bring in the, the, the first so that there will be meat in my house. Then we have to build a storage 
warehouse for the church. Because Shawin is bringing his first fruits. Uh, cherries into wine, uh, grape and wine. And she's also bringing her wine. First fruit of the wine is in jars. Calvin is what? It's into oil. <laughs> yeah. You come and see the barrels of oil that the people have brought to the church. What, what is the church going to do with oil? <laughs> and the tithe of all things brought day in abundantly. I'm talking about the kings who God, I mean, and he instilled them. People who got promoted to be kings and what they did. The advantage they took of the opportunity or not. And what you should see and do. See as an opportunity and do. Six. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heaps. It wasn't so. The king before Hezekiah, it wasn't so. He didn't see that as an opportunity to get things right and to bring church back and to let bring the tithe back. If you're a pastor of a church, you don't talk about tithe. You are not Hezekiah. If it's time to die, you die quick. <laughs> There's 20. It's interesting to read 2 Chronicles 31. Get, uh, try and read it, you see. Verse 20 says, And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work, the next verse 21, and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. The guy saw his position as king as an opportunity to bring back the things that God is happy with, to bring back priests, to bring back Levites, to bring back the tithe. The Bible says he did it with all his heart and he prospered. It's an opportunity you and I have to be here. We have to do everything with all our heart. You see prosperity will come, I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus. First Timothy. <laughs> First Timothy chapter one, verse twelve. And I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
who has enabled me. You know what enable means? Enable is like some machine that is not working and you've managed to get it to work. Or somebody who was gone and is fixed and is back on track. For that he had enabled me. For that he con- counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Josh. The ministry that people want to resign. <laughs> you got to be crazy. It means that you don't understand opportunity. I was showing a video to my pastors yesterday. There's one of the greatest gaps One of the greatest gaps in a wall in the world is in America. And people are going to America in drones because of the space in the wall. The southern border of the United States of America. Trump started to build a wall. He couldn't finish. When Biden came, he abandoned the wall. People are walking for five days to Panama. Try and make it to Texas and walk through that space. It's an opportunity. When we're watching it, people say, I'm from Pakistan. Oh, no, that, that was the Libyans. So I said, I'm from here. From what? The, it's Latin America, isn't it? And then somebody was saying that, ah, but I never saw anybody who says he's from Guyana. I said, there's nobody in Guyana who's desperate, who desperately wants to go to America. You think Guyanese, Guyanese want, to, you want to go out to America? I'll wait until my grandmother who applied for me until the embassy calls me to walk five years to America. Mean the ponder. Mean the That's what the Guyanese will tell you. But you should see how people, a 52-year-old woman with, with a walking stick, walking for five days across one of the l- l- largest and quiet, de- I mean what, forest or whatever jungles to get to. Then what? What's the name again? Darien Gap. That's the history people. Darien Gap walking to Panama. And from Panama, get a bus to Mexico. And Mexico, Houston. If you, if you have the money. Somebody says, I've been here for 12 days. I've been cleaning here and hoping that I'll get money. And they say, when I clean here, when the bus comes, they'll put, put me on the bus. They clean, the bus comes, they, they look for people who have money. They are not going. For what I know, when people know that something's an opportunity, they take advantage of it. I don't see many people taking advantage of ministry and working for God and doing something for God because we don't see it as an opportunity. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has enabled me. For he counted me faithful. He put me in the ministry. The Bible says, one of the sins that will never be forgiven is the sin that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. 
is a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But he said, but I got an opportunity because I was ignorant. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. So God gave me an opportunity to change my ways and to change my life. And now I am where I am. And so I am thankful. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I am grateful. Oh, somebody say, I am grateful. Ah, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That is why I'm preaching from my heart because I find it an opportunity because I was the chief of sinners. What I'm doing now is an opportunity. I don't despise it at all. Do you despise what you're doing in a church? Or it's an opportunity for you? It's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I am chief. I'm chief. That is why anywhere you see Apostle Paul, he will talk about his encounter with Jesus Christ. Because he sees that as the greatest opportunity that actually moved him from being sentenced to death, a blasphemer, to become somebody who now will receive crowns. And so he said that for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He said, I am crucified with Christ. But he said, therefore I live. But the life I live. You see how somebody's talking. He's, uh, he's grateful for the opportunity. Not a peacock. Not a peacock. Not someone who's like a peacock. He's proud. It's almost as if the person is doing something for you. He said, if you like, if you, if you play, I won't come to church. Why are you talking about me like that? I won't come back here. I won't come to church. You won't come back to church? Well, so be it. He preached. Then he said, I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. And my course is ended. And he says, now the crown. It's a privilege. There's a crown ahead of me. What an opportunity that Jesus set me free to do what I'm doing. How many are grateful that God delivered you and set you free and put you in the ministry, put you in a church? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, somebody, wherever you are. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Hallelujah. not waste this opportunity God has given to us. It's an opportunity to have a vehicle to sit inside and drive to church. It's an opportunity that you should no longer drive your vehicle to church empty. Go and read Hezekiah again. There was a reason for Hezekiah's life to be extended. Is there a reason for your life to be extended? Or God will say, it's okay, don't trouble she. It's okay, let she, let she dead. Let she dead right now. Let she dead. <laughs> Angels, stay back. Let, let, let her crash her car. Let her die. It's okay, she's coming home anyway. She's tired already. She's been tired since two years ago. It's an opportunity for, 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 
for her to come home. I'm grateful for the opportunity I have. I'm grateful. And I'll talk about it every day. And I'll pour my heart every day. And hopefully, many of you will catch that opportunity. Father, what a blessing it is. We're here to be your presence. Sing, dance, hear from you. To minister to by you. Thank you for the gifts, the offerings, the tithes, everything that has happened here tonight. Well, we give you glory for that. I know you'll continue with us on the journey to a glorious place. On a journey to a better place. On a journey to a place where we will have rest for our souls. Thank you for everyone who made it tonight. Take them home safely. In Jesus' name. Amen. For booking and more information on the ministry of Victor Collins, please call us on 592-691-5301 or email us at shepherdhousegy at gmail.com God richly bless you.